Welcome, guys, to Kieran's Corner and a very special guest today. This isn't a traditional episode of Your Team, Your Say, but we are going to be talking about a team that I've become enamoured with ever since the 2020 draft, taking my boy Joey B, the Bayou Bengals. So today we have Strawberry Ice with us today. How are you doing, man? Good. How are you doing today? I'm very excited about the season and uh, Joe Burrow, man. Jackpot Joey is killing it. It's it's a very, very fun season, and we are surprising some people. I like it. Sitting at three and one right now, and I think going into this season, a lot of people would you ha- would have had you at one and three. Yeah. You beat the Steelers. You beat the Vikings. You, you then beat the Jaguars. Lost in a, a very winnable game against the Bears, but every quarterback has a bad day. Even Aaron Rodgers has a game like that every season. But after this win against the Vikings, week one was an incredible atmosphere. How did you feel after going against the team that many experts said was going to drub you? Oh, it was it was awesome. I mean, uh, I was down there and the atmosphere there was electric. It was it was like a playoff atmosphere for us. And to watch Joe Burrow go against Trevor Lawrence, who some people say he's better. Trevor Lawrence is better than Jackpot Joey. I don't think so. I think Joe Burrow is the better quarterback. And to see him going against Urban Meyer, who did not start him at Ohio State, and to come back and beat them was awesome. I mean, honestly, you said you talk about our record. I mean, there's if we don't turn the ball over four times with the Bears, we could be 4-0. But, I mean, that's, that, you know, that's that happens. But the, the, the way the season has went and the way that game went in Jacksonville, just unbelievable. I'm, I could not be happier right now on my show. People say I was crazy, which, by the way, I do a I do a podcast myself called Sports with Strawberry Ice. You guys can check it out. Um, I said at the beginning of the year, actually, I said this when the schedule came out. I picked us going eleven and five, and so far I'm I'm right. I had us three and one, but I had us um, losing to the Squealers. That's how what I call them, and I had us beating the Bears. I, I was wrong on those two, but the actual record three and one, I'm right so far. So, knock on wood for that. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it was great and. This season already such a roller coaster. The Jacksonville game, you went to the locker room, fourteen points down. You come out in the second half and you score on every single drive, a touchdown on every single drive. Besides the final one, Evan McPherson kicked the winner. That's why you draft a kicker. Let's take it back to Week One. Going into Week One, there are a lot of questions surrounding this team. Is Joe's knees better? Can Jamar Chase actually catch a ball? What's the secondary going to look like? And by the way. I've always said Jamar Chase can catch a ball. Yeah. <laughs> I watched that man catch 20 yeah. touchdowns from Joey B in that 2019 season. So how was it when, when Jamar Chase caught that first touchdown in the end zone, absolutely turning Brashad Breland into a piece of burnt toast? Oh, it was awesome. That, that was the end zone I, I sit in. And I, I was sitting next to my dad watching it, and I, I pointed. I said, Chase is one-on-one. And next thing I know, Burrow's back, going back in the pocket and throwing the ball up. And I'm like – Oh, he's got Chase. He got him. Got him. Got him. Yeah! And I, dude, I stood up on my chair and said, I told you he could catch. I told you he could catch. And the narrative, that's just the national narrative 
for against the Bengals. I mean, oh, all of a sudden, Jamar Chase can't catch the ball. Get out of here with that. You know, and people were worried about uh, Joe Burrow's knee. I'm like, I saw him in minicamp. He was, I, you know, for anybody who doesn't know, I go to almost every practice I can. And there's a bridge that's over top of the practice. So I go there and, and watch him as, as often as I can. And I was there at minicamp. He was rolling around, and this is June, you know. So I'm like, that knee looks pretty good to me. So I really wasn't worried about his knee. So I, I, I'm always going against the national narrative, but the excitement to watch Jamar Chase, I mean, it's just going to get better and better because they had the connection, you know, as you know, at LSU, it's just going to grow. And I don't think we've begun to see what this offense can do. We just scratched the surface. And, and I knew that. I knew that rep was over when uh, Breland tried to press Jamar at the line. I was <laughs> right, like, oh, right. fuck. This, <laughs> this poor guy is over for him. Like, that's what Jamar did. You could take the biggest, most physical corner, press him against Jamar Chase, and Jamar's going to beat him every single time. And I was, I'm was, i sat in 102, I think, so I'm just off the end zone. If you actually look at the uh, gif they had of Jamar doing the gritty, you can see me in my Hawaiian shirt in the background. <laughs> losing my goddamn mind <laughs> because I was like, this is what he does. I turned yep. to the guy behind me and said, what, Jamar can't fucking catch. And I <laughs> him. It, was, it was honestly a great moment. And then, well, the, the cool part was that I think, I can't remember if LSU did it or the Bengals did it, but they morphed the pass. It, it looked exactly the same it was from incredible. LSU. Yeah, they, they were in LSU, they're there in Bengals, they're back in LSU. It looked exactly the same. thing. It's the same freaking play. Same results too. It was yeah, so cool. It, Exactly. And Joe, I think currently right now, if you're looking at him, he's on pace for over 3,500 uh, 3, yards and 38 touchdowns, which is very impressive considering he hasn't finished rehabbing his knee yet. Right. So, so how have you felt about Joe getting back out there after obviously such a devastating injury? How have you felt about him and the offensive line this season so far? I, like I said, I, I thought Joe's knee was going to be okay from what I what I saw. And by the way, he's up for uh, FedEx the Air Player of the Week. So if you guys haven't voted, go vote for Jackpot Joey Burrow, Joey B, whatever you want to call him. Um, the offensive line. Now, this is one that I know all Bengals fans were, were worried about. And I kind of said this. Duke Tobin, in the last two drafts, has hit on every single draft pick. I said, what if he hit on Jackson Carmen? I said, well, what if he's right? And I think so far he's right. And I also think he's right about uh, Deontay Smith. I think that guy could be either our future guard or a future tackle. So I think this offensive line, I think we got the starter set. I think it took Jackson a little while to get to get going, you know, up to speed in the NFL because I don't give Duke Tubby credit for this. He said this on the uh, Bengals booth podcast that coming from college to the NFL as an offensive lineman is one of the biggest jumps you're going to make. Plus, he's learning a new position. He was a tackle in college. He's a guard. In the NFL, I think Jackson has done a phenomenal work. He's he's put his head down. He's went to work. Frank Pollock, I think, is a huge factor as to the how this increase, how how much better this offensive line has gotten. I think it's just up here. As long as we don't have any injuries, you know, I think we're we're going to be pretty good. I think we're going to surprise a lot of people. Yeah, and that's what I like about Frank Pollock as an offensive line coach. He drills the three most important things for an offensive lineman, which is fundamentals, fundamentals, and fundamentals. Because <laughs> if you know your fundamentals, you are not going to get beat out there. And we've seen that from Jackson Carmen. He's only started two games so far, but he's given up no pressures. He has looked fantastic. And I know there was a lot of talk about Panaisa Wall 
But also, he was a tackle, not as versatile as a guard. We saw him play guard preseason. He gave up like seven quarterback hits or something ridiculous. So he's moved back to tackle and is finally doing his thing. But the the Bengals went ahead and got a general generational talent. Yes. Jamar Chase. Now, as we look up towards the rest of the season, you've obviously given this 11 and 5 prediction. How do you think the next game goes uh, against Green Bay? Because it's Aaron Rodgers, one of the greatest of all time, showing off against the next greatest of all time in Joey Burrow. How do you think this game is going to play out for the Cincinnati Bengals? Yeah, actually, it's, it's like Mike Daniels. Mike Daniels calls uh, Joe Burrow uh, baby Aaron. So it's going to be baby Aaron versus Aaron. Um, I am a little nervous about this one. I do have the Bengals in my preseason prediction losing this one. But Aaron Rodgers has never won at PBS. So either he's got a jinx or he's due. I'm not sure which. Um, as long as our we're all healthy, and I think there's a very good chance that everybody in our secondary is actually going to be healthy and ready to go for the first time this year, I think we got a shot to win this. I, and now it's it's going to be like every other game. It, we're, I don't think we're going to blow him out. You're not going to blow Aaron Rodgers out there. He's just too good. It's not going to happen. Oh, yeah, our defense has got to step up. Lou Anarumo. And it has to have a great game plan uh, against Aaron Rodgers. I mean, like I said, he's one of the greatest of all time. You got to give respect to Aaron Rodgers. I mean, it's just, it is what it is. It's not going to be easy, but I think it can be done. I, you know, this, this team has surprised a lot of people. I, I, I think Green Bay's defense isn't as good as ours. I'm hoping. I mean, that's, I think our defense has really surprised me. The front four that we have, if we can get pressure on Aaron, then I think it's going to be a, a big difference. Now, that's the problem I think we had in the Jacksonville game. We didn't get a whole lot of pressure on Trevor Lawrence. But also, that was a short week. I think the defense looked pretty tired because they, they had a ton of snaps in that Squealers game. So I think it showed. But now we're going to have, like, what, 10 days rest? And hopefully, completely healthy, as long as nobody gets hurt um, in a, you know practice between now and then. I think we got a shot. Um, it's going to be a fun game to watch. I can't wait to get, get to it. But it's going to seem like it's forever to get here because we have – Next Sunday. <laughs> yeah, I, I was about to say, is Jesse Bates back? I, I think so. I think from what Zach Taylor said, now this is what he said. He he, he said it's, how do you put it? It's leaning toward that way. Or it's, you know, there's a good possibility that they're all going to be back. Because Jesse Bates, I, I think I think Bates and I think T. Higgins would have played uh, Thursday night if it was a Sunday game. You know, gave him a couple more days rest. I think they would have played. But with, with that, you know, with it being a short week, that's why they didn't play. Now, Cheeto, Cheeto Bayouzier, I didn't. That's the one he that kind of concerns me more than anybody else because he has a growing issue, and growings you never know what happens with them. But with him having basically two weeks to heal up, hopefully he'll be ready to go. Yeah, and he's been a, he's been a huge surprise for me too on the on that on that defense. Cheeto Bayouzier, I mean, he's playing like a number one corner. Sorry, I didn't cut you off there, but no, no, it's just I feel like your defense looked. A, a ton different without Bates. Um, mm-hmm. Just, I don't want to say lost, but you look like there were certain guys making calls out there that Bates would normally be making yeah. for adjustments mm-hmm. and stuff. Right. And the, they weren't being made because Jesse Bates, uh, as much as his first year was kind of slow, I think he's really cemented himself as a top three safety in the NFL right now. And oh, absolutely. That, that, that's in comparison to guys like Doe and James, Tyron Matthew, and Minka Fitzpatrick. Undoubtedly, mm-hmm. he is in that conversation. So it definitely hurt missing him. But as we get towards like what we're like a quarter of the way through the season now, and obviously it was a massive win for the Bearcats this weekend, a team that I am very, very fond yes. of. 
how do you feel about potentially getting your hands on Source in the draft? If you- oh my God, I, I I tweeted this out there. I tweeted this out a couple of times. So I want Sauce. I I I I hope. I think I don't know. It depends where we, where we pick, obviously, because the more he plays, the higher he's going to get picked. And I I I'm a, a huge Bearcat fan, and I, I had this story I was telling my dad about that when Sauce was a freshman, he wanted to be called Sauce, and his first practice. Either, uh, he's like, I want to be called sausage. He goes, well, we'll see what happens. It was practice. He went down, shut, shut everybody down, basically. And goes, now can I be called sauce? They're like, yeah, you're sauce. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, he's one of the best I, I, top two or three cornerbacks in college football right now. I mean, it, it's crazy for me to watch him. As you know, I'm an LSU fan, DBU. Mm-hmm. Right. I know what good DBs look like. And Derek Stingley is the best in the country right now, yep, but absolutely source Gardner as cl- like, he's really closing in on him. And, and that's crazy to think because Derek Stingley is probably the best corner I've seen at LSU since probably Patrick Peterson, which is insane to say, cause that's the first guy to wear number seven. Now we've got the next guy wearing number seven. It's insane. And source is very, very close. So do you think you're even going to have a high enough draft pick to draft him? Or do you think it would be a case of trading up? Well, that's, that's what I kind of said. I'm like, I want to draft him. Um, I'm, it, it, yeah, it depends. I mean, if we go to the playoffs, yeah, he's going to be gone. I mean, I think he's going to be, a, he could be a top five, top 10 pick, honestly. So it, I, I, yeah, we'd have to trade for him, I think, but who knows? Let's we'll see how the season goes. But that, that is a guy I definitely, would like to get, and I'm so happy for him and the Bearcats. It was a huge, huge win against Notre Dame. And now people say, is that the biggest game in school history? I'm like, no, I don't think it's the biggest game in school history. The biggest games in school history was one to the Sugar Bowl and Orange Bowl back-to-back. Yes, we got our doors blown off, but there was one of the biggest games. This is the biggest win in school history, and we're ranked number five right now, which is probably right, right about where uh, Sauce is going to get picked. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think he's a top ten corner for sure. Uh, yeah. Depending on team need, but right. a lot of a lot of corners went off the board last year to actually teams that are not doing too well this year. But, and it's not a, it's not a big quarterback heavy draft so far this year either. So there's that, like that's yeah four guys who could potentially go yeah. in the first round as corners. Yeah. Like we're we're looking at them over at full ten yards uh, CFB, and I think Sauce and Stingley are, are sort of up there right now as, as, as the front runners. And oh, yeah, you might be looking at the, the number one and number two quarterbacks coming out of the draft right now, and, and both those guys. Yeah, and, and, and that'd be incredible if you could get that after then going ahead and getting the draft before. Probably the best wide receiver who's played college football in the last 20 years. Right. Which actually brings me on to my next point. The Bengals are much maligned in the media, but it seems now at least for some media channels to be actually focusing on, hey, Bengals might have one of the best receiver cores in the NFL right now. <laughs> How do you feel when you see that? Because when I see it, it's like, well, yeah, obviously. Uh, but how is it as a Bengals fan to be disrespected by the media so often for now them to be singing the praises of this receiving core? Vindicated. If I, I feel vindicated because I've been saying this since we drafted Chase. I'm like, we're going to have top three, top five wide receiving core in all football. I, I said that, and they're like, oh, well, you can't say that. You know, T. Higgins is only a second-year player. Chase is a rookie. Yeah, we'll give you Bates, but, ah, uh, yeah, or not uh, Boyd, sorry. We'll give you Boyd, but, ah, uh, you know. I'm like, no, 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 no. I was like, did you see Chase? And he's got his quarterback. 
did you see T Higgins? T Higgins, if he didn't get hurt last year, he would have broke the, the Bengals rookie uh, receiving yards last year. So, I mean, they're good. <laughs> they're really, really good. So, yes, I, I, it's just it's just the narrative against the Bengals that, oh, well, you know, it's Cincinnati. I mean, what, what, what do they have? It's, it's the same lazy narrative that the national media does against the Bengals. It's just a hot take. They like, oh, well, that's easy. The Bengals, oh, they suck. You know, their, their ownership's terrible. They're a poorly run organization. Yeah, those guys are going to go there. They were good college, but they're going to go there. They're going to be bad. No, that's wrong. And I'm here to change all that. They are good. The Bengals are good. And we're going to be good for a while. I mean, I, we, we got Joe Burrow. We got T. Higgins. We got Jamar Chase. We got Joe Mixon. We're going to be good. We ain't going nowhere. <laughs> yeah, you've got a hell of a team. And it, it the amount of talent around Joe Burrow is kind of ridiculous right now. You've got Joe Mixon, Saman J.P. Ryan. You've got Boyd, uh, Chase, Tate. And then you've even got guys like Trent and Owen coming in and catching mm-hmm. absolute clutch third down passes. But the star of the Jacksonville game, a guy who, you know, a lot of people have had a love for at this Bengals organization is CJ Uzama. How did you feel just seeing him torching people all game? Because I didn't know he could move like that. Oh, dude, I, I, I've been singing his praises since last year. The first, he only played like three games before he got hurt. But you can see the chemistry that him and, and Burrow uh, have. And I always pronounce it CJ Uzama. I'm trying to get that to be a thing. And actually, I, CJ likes that. So I, I, uh, I've asked him that way. He's walking out to practice. But I, I feel so happy for him because of, everybody forgets, you know, yeah, Joe Burrow had, had tore his knee, but CJ tore his Achilles last year. And he's coming back and he's he's moving around. He's playing playing great. And the I think he could be even more featured, but that's just not the way this offense runs. They don't really use the tight end a lot. But if you look at, the Minnesota game and you look at Jacksonville game, who's the one who got the, the, the go ahead or first down catch to get Evan kick Pearson into position to kick the game winning field goal. It was CJ Zama. So yeah, I think he's a very underrated player and, and Bengals fans need the Bengals fans are, I had that on my show up here. Like, Oh, we need to take care of the tight end position. I said, no, we don't. I said, we got CJ. Oh, he gets hurt a lot. No, 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 no. He got hurt last year. Well, he's not really like, like he is like just trust me on this. He is that good. Uh, you must feel vindicated then after this Jacksonville game. Absolutely. But like, before the season, there were two surprise cuts that I really didn't see see coming. Now, it would have been um, Trent and Owen if it wasn't Trent Taylor, right. and also Thaddeus Moss because I don't know if you were at uh, PBS for the training session. I assume you were. I was. I was sat right behind that. But Fad was just blowing dudes up in pass protection and run uh-huh. blocks. So do you know if there's – I know you kind of have an inside scoop. I see you're at almost every training session. <laughs> You've got half the organization wearing the Jackpot Joey merch already. Right, right. I know T. Higgins' parents love this merch as well. You've got them all um, – you got them a whole new store worth of hats, I think. <laughs> but do you have any inside information in what went on with Thaddeus Moss? Was it injuries or just he, ah. he wasn't working well enough? I have no inside information, but he's still on the practice squad. They haven't, so he's still in the organization. Um, I, from what I've read and stuff, is more of the his blocking, which I know you just said he did really well, but they weren't totally thrilled. I think CJ or, and um, um, our other tight end, which I can't think of his name right now, uh, did better at blocking and special teams. Uh, that is wasn't very good on special teams, and that's where if you're going to be a third 
tight end, you kind of got to be a special teams guy. And that's kind of, I think, where he his downfall is. But again, he's still in the Bengals uniform. He, he walks out at practice. Nobody else has picked him up yet. So there's still a chance that maybe, you know, later on down the uh, road this uh, this year, he might get a shot. We'll have to see. But I, I am a huge Thaddeus fan. I was very excited that they signed him. I wanted them to draft him, <laughs> you know, last year or 2019. Me too. Yeah. And it's, I'm hoping it works out for him. Guy, I think he is a underrated tight end. I know he's small, but you can get some plays in there. I think to get him, I think, and I think Zach Taylor, he, he and everybody says he's, is, is he a offensive genius? I think he's pretty damn smart. And I think if you give him seat or give him Thad, he can figure out some stuff for him, but like I said, he's on the practice squad, so we'll see what happens. And the thing that people don't pay attention to on FAD, a lot of tight ends, they want to be out there. They want to be catching balls. They want to be a superstar, but not FAD. FAD says he loves to block. He wants to be a blocker. He's sick of being compared to his dad. We saw yeah. when he had that incredible catch against, I think it was Alabama a couple of years ago, where he got pushed out of bounds, reestablished himself, and then mossed someone. <laughs> you could tell he was just hating it when he saw all the clips saying you got bust because he hates being compared to his dad. Yeah. But speaking of that draft, there was a guy who I I wrote a huge article on about him being a, a draft dark horse. And, and I said he was probably going to slip to the fourth, but it would really benefit a team to come up and get him in the third. And you did. And that's Logan Wilson. How Absolutely. impressed have you been with him through this four game stretch? He has looked he's played out of his damn mind. Absolutely. And I'll be honest with you, when they drafted him, I didn't know who he was. I, I, I had no clue. Um, but him and Akeem Davis Gaither, another guy we got in that draft, have both made huge steps. And I, I kind of saw it, you know, toward the end of last year, you see it starting to slow down for, for Logan. Again, he got injured, so he couldn't finish the season. But it started to slow down for him. You see, you see him making the progression, making the jump, you know. He had a couple of interceptions last year. And with him taking the jump and, and, and being the, the, the signal caller, the play caller or, you know, at, for the defense, it, it's, that's even a bit a more, more stuff they put added on to him and he's handling all of it. I mean, he like, let's go to the Jacksonville Jaguar game, the fourth down, the uh, touchdown that we kept out. Who's in the hole first. It was Logan Wilson. And he lit that dude up. He was there. He knew exactly where the play was going called it, met him in the hole, and dropped him. He's done that a lot this year. And I, I think right now he, he's on pace for Pro Bowl. But the thing is, he's a Bengal. I don't know if he's going get to the, get the love or not, but if you look at his uh, PFF stats, they're, they're, they're uh, ranking him pretty high. So I'm very, very happy for him. And, again, you got to give credit to, to Duke Tobin. He went up and got him, and he, it's working out great so far. Yeah, and he was a guy that, like, my biggest um... – that's why I loved him so much. I said his football IQ was ridiculous. And mm -hmm. and at the time, he's kind of looked a little bit small, but he's packed on a lot of muscle. You can see that just, just him walking across the road yeah, from absolutely. PBS to the training field. He is a giant right now. Mm -hmm. So he, he's really been packing it on and he's been doing doing kind of good. But we've got to talk about a couple of not so bright spots on the, on the Bengals team while we have the chance. How do you feel about Eli Apple right now? Because yeah, he has made some plays, but also, it's seeming like he's getting burned very, very often. Yeah, he's he's getting burned a lot. I mean, he was never brought here to be the starting cornerback. So, there's a reason that he was a backup because he's a backup. I mean, I think he's proven that time and time again. Um, 
so that that's kind of where I'm at with him. I mean, he he's he's a backup for a reason. <laughs> um, Lou likes him, and just it, it'll get he'll get better. He's made plays though too. He has got burn on everything. So yeah, everybody needs to realize he's actually made some pretty good plays too. It's just the ones he's gotten burn on, everybody sees and everybody remembers. So I I, I I'll be more happy once everybody's healthy and he doesn't have to play every single snap. So that, that'll help him yeah. out, I think, more too. And that front four's been looking pretty good as well. Sam Hubbard and Trey Hendrickson really forming an incredible tandem coming off those edges. How have you felt about your ability to put pressure on a quarterback? Because it, it, it seems to me like, I mean, Trevor Lawrence had some time to throw, but he had to run a lot. He seemed a little yeah. bit suffocated back there, especially in that second half where you said, you know what, fuck it, we're going to make him suffer. <laughs> So, so how have you felt about guys like Hendrickson and, um, you know, just uh, and these guys coming off the edge? Because they yeah, Hendrickson and Hubbard, the H boys, they they have been awesome. I mean, our front four is I thought it was going to be improved, but I was more of I thought it was gonna be improved as far as the run stop goes, because in AFC North, you got to stop the run. You got the Rappers, you got the Squealers, you got the Browns, the Clowns. They all like running the ball. I thought we, were, we really improved in the run game which we did. I didn't realize how good we were going to be in the past, especially after we lost Joseph Osai, who looked really good. And that's a one preseason game, but he looked really good. We lost him for the season. I didn't think we'd get that much pressure, but with Larry Ogunjobi, which I call him Obi-Wan Ogunjobi and DJ reader. And we stole, stole BJ Hill. I we absolutely stole him from the giants Yep, for, for Billy price. Another great move by Duke Tobin. Our front four is legit, and that pressure up the middle is helping the guys on the edge. Who are you going to double team? You know, so that's that's getting Trey Henderson and 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 Sam Hubbard time to get to get to the ball. And Sam Hubbard is still like I saw it was the the Squealers game, and I have to give props to Lou Amaruto on this. Sam Hubbard, I saw this live. He was on the edge, and all of a sudden he dropped back behind the linebackers. They snapped the ball. He waited, and then he took off. And that's where he drilled uh, uh, Big Ben and hit him in the elbow. I saw my, I told my dad, I said, watch it. I said, watch it. And watch it again. He dropped back and then took off. Those are the things that some of the older Bengals from Martin Lewis didn't want to do. You know, they didn't know how to do it. Sam Hubbard can do that. Trey Hendrickson can do that. Lou Anaruma has players who could do what he wants them to do in his scheme, and it's working. So I am – ecstatic about the defense. I thought it'd be better. I know where I didn't think we'd get this much uh, pressure on the quarterback. Yeah. yeah, no, it's, it's crazy. And it was fun to watch because if you're a normal human being with normal feelings and emotions, you feel very, a little bit giddy when you see uh, big Ben Roethlisberger got hit because <laughs> he might be one of the most hated men in the NFL. So I love seeing getting his block knocked off every Absolutely. single game I can. <laughs> but as, as we sort of like this, this season comes through, we noticed there are some big free agents coming up that probably aren't going to resign. Bengals got a shitload of cap room. How mm-hmm. your Super Bowl window is going to be firmly open if you go out, draft correctly, and grab the right um, free agents. Who are some free agents out there who you'd like the Bengals to pick up this coming off season? Well, for sure, I want them to sign their own, and that would be Jesse Bates. I mean, that that one, I that I just go with that. That that has actually surprised me that he hasn't been signed yet. Um, I thought once, you know, with the money that they had left over, that was going to be allocated for Hubbard and Bates. They got Hubbard done. I'm like, all right, cool. Then Bates will have it here soon. 
you know, we're a month into the season and he's still not signed. Most likely not going to happen until the off season. And I'm just, people are like, well, you think they're going to franchise tag him? I'm like, okay, well, they franchise tag him, then he's going to get top five money. So either yeah. way you go, he's going to get top five money no matter what. So I don't, I, I don't, I don't understand what the Bengals are doing or why they have not signed him yet. I'm, I still think it's going to get done. I still, but to me, the key free agent this offseason for the Bengals is their own. It's Jesse Bates. You need to resign him. Yeah, yeah, that's a huge one. And obviously, if you can't get source in the draft, then definitely I think a cornerback free agent is going to be high up on your guys' list. Um, even veterans like Stefan Gilmore might be worth tra- – well, Stefan Gilmore might stay with us at the Patriots, but, um, you know, <laughs> well, guys, the- guys like JC Jackson are definitely worth a punt if you can go up and get him. Well- the cool thing is now is free agents will actually consider coming here now, <laughs> you know, before, you know, when free agency first started, you know, had guys like Warren Sapp would just come here and just use the Bengals, you know, and to go get more money for somebody else. Now they come here. It, we have a legit shot at getting them and it has a lot to do with the organizational change at, at the top in a way Elizabeth Blackburn and, and, and Katie Blackburn, and all of them are running it. And it also has, has to do with, let's be honest, jackpot, Joey, Joey B being here, people want to come here and play play with him. They know that that guy is going to win a Super Bowl, maybe multiple Super Bowls. So yeah, and we've signed a lot of free agents in uh, the last two off seasons, especially on our defense. So I would not be surprised at all uh, to see some more coming coming this way. And the two guys you mentioned would be would be fine with me. <laughs> if we yeah. don't get sauce, I'll take them. <laughs> And, and this was something um, a guy we both interact with on Twitter quite a lot, Drew Garrison. I think you know him, Drew yeah. underscore. Mm-hmm. I've had him on my show before. Yep. So he was talking about exactly what you just talked about. Jackpot Joey. He is having guys want to come play with him. And then Colin fucking Cowherd, the <laughs> worst talking. But I'm, I'm just oh. going to remind people why he doesn't work for ESPN anymore. And it's because <laughs> he said Dominicans are not smart enough to play baseball. So just keep that in mind when this idiot gives you any opinions on football. <laughs> the one point he brought up to Drew is that you don't have an outdoor practice facility. Is that even an issue anymore when you've got <laughs> the team you've got? <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's an indoor we have we have an outdoor, not indoor. Yeah, it's that. I mean, yes, that's a thing. I mean, I'm, I'm not gonna. It is a thing. It'd be nice to have one, but they don't. They've never had one, you know. And that is not going to be a reason that they don't go far because, you know, I, I hate to say it, it sounds cheap, but I mean, there are things in the works. I mean, I, I'll, I'll tell you, there's land that's bought. There are things that are in the works. They got to get some businesses that are there moved to get the indoor practice facility and hopefully the um, Bengals Hall of Fame. So they are in the works. They can also go to UC. UC has a, uh, an indoor about to say. bubble. Yeah, UC so it, away. right. So if they need one, they'll go there, which they've done before. So it's really not that big of an issue as everyone makes it out to be. Yes, it would be nice to have one. Should have been done already. Yes. Is that a reason that they're not going to go far? Absolutely not. That's a, a completely ridiculous statement. And, and call him, I call him Calhead is what I call him. Now, I gave him credit. Uh, he, he picked the Bengals to win outright against the Squealers, and he was right. And sometimes, a lot of times on his picks, he is right. But this whole take he had, I think it was Friday. Oh, Joe Burrow is good. Joe Burrow is so good, which he's right. But, oh, that organization is so bad. I'm like, 
what are you talking about? I mean, he's like, Mike Brown this, Mike Brown that. I'm like, in my God's honest opinion, I don't think Mike Brown really has that much say so. The man is 80 years old or something. You know, he's a, I think he's a very nice man. I think it's more Katie Blackburn and Troy Blackburn are the ones that are running the ship. And that's why I think things have changed, you know. So, again, it, it goes down to if you're going to be on a national broadcast radio station, TV network, whatever it is, and you're going to talk about something, you better know what you're talking about, you know. And, and it's just that they don't know. <laughs> they just don't. They just keep blatting the same stuff they said about the Bengals in the 90s, which in the 90s, it was true. We're in 2021. That's damn near 30 years ago. It's not true. It's different. Yeah, and and the whole indoor and outdoor practice facility thing, there is a lot of space down there in Pete Rose Way and, and surrounding properties where there is nothing that you guys could just buy and put it in. So you talking about land and property being bought, there's a lot of space there for it to be put there that is unoccupied right now. Well, as far as I know, the city has bought uh, some of it. Uh, okay. Like where the like across the street, they got the hilltop um, concrete place or whatever that is bought. They are trying to figure out where to move it. Is what I, what I've been told. I was I guess kind of they'd sell it to the city, but the city's got to move it somewhere. Yeah, and the places they've tried to move it, the people don't want it there. So I think that's been the problem. And I know because if you go to the other side of the bridge, there there was a lot there that they use for parking now. It's all cleared out and graveled out there. It's a perfect spot for an indoor practice facility. That's what I keep envisioning right there is the indoor practice facility right there. I have no idea if that's where it's going to be. I, I just That's just me talking. And, hey, if they do decide to move the practice facilities down there, there is that big – I can't remember the name of the old building just off Pete Rose Way. There used to be an old industrial building. That would be perfect to be converted into team offices. That would look – great on the Bengals organization and just have the practice facility right next to it. It'd be absolutely perfect. And for a lot of people who don't live in Cincinnati or have never visited, it really, that, that waterfront down there with PBS and Great American Ballpark and everything down there, it's, it's just beautiful. If you could build a good looking practice facility, that would just add even more because if people don't know, you see on the TV broadcast, the, the river right next to Paul Brown Stadium. What they don't know is there's a lovely like memorial style garden down the front mm-hmm. of it. You can go walk through, learn about the Civil War. Then yep. in between PBS and Great American Ballpark, there's the Queen City um, logo and then there's yep. the fountains and then yep. there's restaurants. Cincinnati, I, before I moved here, I, all I knew of Cincinnati was watching the Bengals and I thought, wow, this city must be fucking terrible. It, <laughs> Because, because they were shit on so much and the team right. just looked so unimpressive for, for, for so many years. And then I come to Cincinnati, I'm like, shit, this is a really nice city. <laughs> like when yeah. you go, go down by the waterfront of that, do you feel like kind of disrespected and stuff when the media just sort of put Cincinnati down as not a big market or not an extravagant city? Yeah, again, they don't know what you're talking about. I mean, that's just that's just the fact of the matter. They don't they don't know what to talk about. The Banks area down there is unbelievable. The city has done an absolute tremendous job of building that up with with the parks and the fountains and and you had the door area there. You know, in between uh, what is it? Is Joe Nuxall Way, I think it is, or or it's a basic open container in that little stretch there. So before Reds and Bengals get pretty much all the time, you can walk around with open alcohol and have a good time. If you don't want to do that, you can go down by the river. They have all the parks and everything. Like you said, with the, with the waterfalls, 
We can, you can have a new thing now where you can rent bikes and you ride them all over the place. You got the scooters everywhere, which Jamar Chase got to enjoy on his uh, first day here in Cincinnati. Yeah, though, down there, if you ever come to Cincinnati, go down to the banks. That is legitly an awesome, awesome place because when the Bengals did the Ring of Honor, and I didn't even realize this. I didn't know this was a hotel. Ken Riley II was there, and I texted him and I said, hey, I want to meet you for the first time in face-to-face. He's been on my show a couple of times. He said, hey, I'm, I'm at the AC. I was like, where's that at? He's like, <laughs> he's like it's, it's on the banks, right down from the Holy Grail. I was like, where? And he goes, oh, the Moorland House is next to it. I said, oh. So right outside the Moorland House, there's a hotel called the AC, and that's where all the Bengals stayed. It's really freaking nice. They got a place on the inside where you, you pull right up to the door. I don't know how you get to it. Somebody get it to, to the garage, the parking garage or something. Pull right up the door, walk out. There's the, the front desk, and there's the front lobby, and the elevator's right there. And I'm like, there, I was standing there talking to Ken. There's there's uh, Eddie Edwards. There's Tim McGee. And there's all these guys. He's walking up. I'm like, hey, hey I'm, I'm Jeff. How you doing? <laughs> but it, it's a perfect spot. And Cincinnati's great for that as well, especially like on a game day or something. If if games like a bit later on in the evening, you can go to OTR, grab food. It's just mm-hmm. a beautiful city to enjoy. So people, I think more media members who shit on Cincinnati need to come well, down. All you got to do is, 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 is look at the uh, riverfront uh, views that they did on Thursday Night Football. Look, look at all the waterfalls. Look at the, the shots from the river. Look, Just look at the, the pictures they, t- they took. Those aren't, aren't made up. Those That's actually there. <laughs> Those are in Cincinnati. So, yeah, if you ever come to a Reds or Bengals game, get there early. Go down and enjoy the banks. Get you something to eat. They got lots of restaurants and bars down there. Go check out the views and then go enjoy, watch the Reds and the Bengals. You can have a really good time. And you don't have to go that, that far. It's all right in that area. Uh, and, and two interesting facts my girlfriend told me is that you got, I think, the Brooklyn Bridge prototype and then a building that was sort of a prototype for the Empire State Building. <laughs> yeah, actually, the Brooklyn Bridge was – Designed the guy who designed the Brooklyn Bridge designed our bridge for I call it the Humming Bridge. Designed our bridge first, and then the um, yes, the um, oh man, what is the building called? Yeah, it looks just like the Empire State Building, but it's not as tall. But that was here. That, those are all things that started here in Cincinnati. Because I mean, back in the day, Cincinnati was a thriving city. It's still a thriving city, but I mean, the railroad were, was huge here in Cincinnati. And, and if it wasn't for Chicago, <laughs> that everybody decided to go there. That's why Chicago got so big because the railroad uh, industry got bigger up there and we shrank. So, but yeah, it was a huge, it was called Porkopolis. I mean, we used to get the, the, all the, the hogs and the, the pigs and everything up the river. And anyway, sorry, I'm going off, I'm going off on a tangent here about <laughs> Cincinnati history, but I love Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that, that's one of the reasons I had you on because I think, I think one of your videos sort of gone viral now uh, of your <laughs> This is sort of your game change tradition when you're watching sports at home is if you get a win, you grab a flag and you run around your street. How, how did that get started? Well, I've only done it twice. I got the flags on my house. And the first time I did it uh, was the squealers win. And I went and I grabbed a flag and my dad videoed it. And I'm like, yeah, and I just run around. I'm like, who day, who day? And I said, bye Steelers. And then I did it this weekend when we beat Notre Dame. And that one's blowing up. Because <laughs> some, people, some people have messaged me like, why didn't you do that when we, when we beat the Squealers? I'm like, I did. It just didn't get out there as much as this one did for some reason. But, yeah, I, I, and my, the funny thing is my neighbor who lives across the street from me has the actual reverse angle of it. So he's got it from his, his shot all around our cul-de-sac. But, yeah, it's just, it's just something crazy I like, I like doing, and it's fun. And, and 
my neighbors are cool as hell. <laughs> they, don't, they, they like it too. So now if it gets to wintertime and it's snowing, it might be more of a, a power walk <laughs> on a victory lap instead of a run. Cause I actually, the UC one, I did in flip-flops and I, thank God I made it without falling. Cause you know, I, I got fat guy speed. And if I, if I hit the ground, it's going to hurt. <laughs> yeah. Well, don't, Put some boots on if you're going to run around there in the snow that is inevitably going to come. I was so excited. I didn't even think about that. I'm just like, get the video. Let's go. Come on. Come on. Ah!" I I love to hear it. And just just a little backstory about how I met you. I met you at. Yeah. uh, We went down to see the players leaving their first training session. Yep. Went to see the guys. You were giving them all their hats and your jackpot Joey gear, which like I said, I think half the organization is wearing right now, but, but you gave me your card and I still have it. All right. uh, yep, I, was I, like, see it. I was like, I've got to have this guy on because although there's some very recognizable fans like Hude baby, captain Bengal, the Bengalorian and stuff, I think you might be the most passionate. You, you eat, sleep and breathe Bengals. It, 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 it's lovely to watch. And that's the same on your card. It says Bengals, reds, bearcats, and, Boo, Ohio State. We don't like Ohio <laughs> State on this podcast, but still. Um, so, yeah, it, it's just a great to have the opportunity to get you on. I think it'd be good to get you on as the season starts to wrap up and we can talk about all the success the Bengals are having. Um, but you, I'll give you a chance now to plug all your stuff, but you have a live sports talk show Monday through Friday on YouTube. Am I correct? Yeah, yeah. It's called Sports with Strawberry Ice. It's every day, Monday through Friday. Uh, live at 5.30. Most times it's live at 5.30. Sometimes I go later. Sometimes I go earlier. But most time, every day, it's live at 5.30. Uh, it's on YouTube. So it's live on there. So if you guys are interested, go to YouTube. Sports Strawberry Ice. Hit the subscription button. Hit the bell for notification. But like I said, every time I go live, you'll be notified if you hit that bell. And then I pull the sound off later on, and I put it on a podcast. So if people can't sit there and watch me for an hour, you can listen to it. It's on BeanPod, Apple iTunes, Spotify, pretty much wherever uh, you get your podcast. And I do remember meeting you and it was, I, the guy standing next to us said I had a Boston accent. <laughs> you had a Boston accent. I'm like, Boston? I was like, How the hell is a Boston accent? Well, I don't know. Like, that's not Boston. I was like, have you ever met anyone from Boston who speaks like I do? What? I remember I, I sat there for like 10 minutes and I thought I was hilarious because I kept, kept calling everything wicked. <laughs> yeah, he did. That's wicked awesome. That's wicked awesome. Oh, one thing really cool too about the Jackpot Joey stuff is is in the uh, locker room. Zach Taylor, when he gave uh, Joe Burrow the uh, game ball, you faintly hear in the background some bang, couple Bengals yelling, Jackpot, Jackpot. I'm like, yes, like that is so cool. So we, we'll be back down there again uh, sometime this week to hand out some more hats and stuff. Yeah, if people head over your Twitter, which is Dre- uh, Jeff A. Tremble, and it's J-E-F-F-A-T-R-E-N-N-E-P-O-H-L. You can actually see these videos of you giving out these hats and shirts and stuff to the players. It's actually always fun when I see that pop up on my feed. I'm like, damn, he's really kitted out the whole fucking Bengals. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we got Jamar's got them. Ch- uh, Chase or uh, Higgins has got them. Well, Burrow, Burrow has some because, I mean, let, let's tell you real quick here. That all the if you guys anybody wants any of the Jackpot Joey stuff, go to uh, jackpotjoey9.com and you can order order the, the shirts, the hats, everything there. And uh, and uh, a dollar of every uh, purchase, a dollar of that goes to the Joe Burrow Hunger Relief Foundation. So, so Joe Burrow is is we have his approval on doing this. 
Now, Joe Burrow is probably never going to wear a jackpot Joey hat because I don't think that's he's not going to promote himself like that. That's just I don't I don't see him doing that. But everybody else around him is wearing that. I know uh, me and Matty Myers because actually it's Matty Myers's idea. It's it's his baby. I'm just helping promote it. We gave uh, Joe Burrow a package to give to his parents. So hopefully his parents got it just like T. Higgins. I, I think T. Higgins' mom's got got him. Last time I knew she was going to go pick him up. I didn't get to see her Thursday night, so I hope she got him. Yeah, and, and it's fantastic you're doing things like that, and it really speaks to the spirit of of the people of Cincinnati that you really are behind Joe Burrow. He really is the future of this city, uh, and he's really pushing sports forward here. As Joe Burrow's come in, the Reds kind of made a playoff push. Ugh, Reds. FCC. <laughs> fucking uh, suck but we, yeah. we, we talk about that off air but now like the Bearcats and stuff so football really is picking up in Cincinnati and I think a lot Absolutely. of the spirit is thanks to Joe Burrow but thank you very much for joining me today uh, and I implore everyone who listens to go out check you out on the YouTube check you out on the Twitter uh, but for me I am the Himbo F10Y go follow our social medias at Full 10 Yards and at Full 10 Yards CFB um Going to have another college football podcast out this Wednesday. Guarantee you there's going to be a lot of talk about Source this week. Um, But thank you very much for joining me, man. I appreciate you. And to all our fans, I will see you in the next one. Kick it and go. Kick it and kick it and go.